What comes to mind when you hear the words spiritual warfare? Are we on? This thing on? Hey, you're listening to Big View Small Windows Podcast, Deeper Thoughts. I cover topics dealing with theology and spirituality, U.S. politics and world politics from a no-nonsense perspective. And sometimes I just like to think out loud. If you're into blogs, visit BigViewSmallWindow.com and get my take on things in a thousand words or less. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a comment. I love those comments. It's Tiffany at BigViewSmallWindow.com. Now, I think most people, when they hear the term spiritual warfare, they immediately think of the demonic. They think of those fallen angels who are who are now demons, who oppose God and his kingdom and his people. And that is one level of spiritual warfare. But what we have to know as Christians and what we need to take into account is the fact that because we have the name of Jesus, we're covered in the blood of Jesus, and we have the spirit of God in us, uh, those spirits are subject to us because of Christ in us. But here's the deal. Here is a is an area of spiritual warfare that I know a lot of people probably don't think about. I've thought about it a lot because this is an area um, where I have had to deal with spiritual warfare a lot. And yes, I have had to put the enemy in his place several times, but I haven't always done a good job of putting my own flesh in its place, that human spirit, that atomic side that just uh, wants to have its own way. Uh, My ideas are better. Well, I'm just going to exhaust all these options before I pray about it. So I'm going to hit you with some scripture and it's a lot, but you just take some notes and you can go back and read some things on your own time, chew on it, think about it. But uh, the first thing that I'm going to read to you is the Apostle Paul's struggle with sin. And this, this, this is like true spiritual warfare, right? We, we have bodies, we have souls, but we are also spiritual beings. And that's how God communicates to us. It's spirit to spirit, right? Our natural mind does not understand spiritual things. By the time our natural mind catches up to something that the Holy Spirit has said, that's why it can blow your mind because in the natural, you're just only thinking about carnal things. You're thinking about, oh, I need to go shopping. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, this and this and that. But when you start to get in tune and and aligned with the word of God, who is Jesus, right? But also the written word of God, then you're going to find out that um, your inner man has to be, you know, uh, lined up as as much as outwardly uh, looking at like a Christian. You go to church, you tithe, you pray, you do all these things, but inwardly, this sinful nature has to be dealt with. And so that is the spiritual warfare that I'm going to talk about for the remainder of this podcast. So let's talk about Paul's struggle with sin. And this is Romans chapter seven, starting in verse 14, and we're going to read through 813. Hang tough. It's the New Living Translation. Here it is. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human a slave to sin. Now, so for those of my sisters and brothers that say, we don't follow the law, we don't follow the law, we don't follow the law. If we look at the law as the terms of the 10 commandments, okay, not all of those 
rituals and, and, and things like that, not those things that granted Jews right of passage, but we're talking about the law as in the word of God, the do's and the don'ts in Exodus 20. We are still to follow those things. The thing is, is that we need the Holy Spirit to be able to do it. And you also cannot attempt to follow the law without being born again. That sort of righteousness that's not born of faith, that's born of pride and every sinful thing that Jesus came to, to take away from us. He, he was a sacrifice so that we can put our faith in him. We're made right with God. And then the Holy Spirit gives us the, the grace, the power, the anointing to walk out what God has decreed, what his kingdom is about. Now, verse 15 says, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. This sounds like a troubled man. And this is Apostle Paul, y'all. Okay. He's like, you know, the the saint of all saints. You know, it took three days of, of lying on his side with no water, no food, blind for his ministry to be birthed on that road to Damascus. And so he's like the preacher of all preachers. He said, but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It is the sin living in me that does it. I always found that fascinating. That was verse 20 of, of chapter uh, 7. I always found it just kind of a little bit fascinating that sin is kind of personified as if it's its own, you know, it has its own authority of some sort. That's that atomic nature. He said, but I've discovered this principle that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Can you imagine? This was before Jesus stepped on the scene. Hmm? This was before Christ stepped on the scene. And basically the, the Jewish people were just, they were at the mercy of God and um <laughs> and it was it's very clear that we are under a better covenant so in verse 25 paul exclaims and says thank god the answer is in jesus christ our lord so you see how it is in my mind i really want to obey god's law but because of my sinful nature i am a slave to sin so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life giving of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. There's nothing wrong with the law. The problem was with humans. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our spiritual nature, but we instead follow the spirit. So it wasn't even possible before Christ came along to really even follow the Holy Spirit. Now you read the Old Testament. We know the Holy Spirit came upon so-and-so. Uh, was it Elijah that outran the chariot? We know that the Spirit of God came upon those prophets and they prophesied. But the deal is, is that this covenant is so much better 
because we now have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. It's, it's, it's an eternal thing, but then it meets up with, you know, with who we are as people in time living on the earth. It's just, it's just very powerful. If you let the scriptures like take you to another level, they totally will. But this is talking about spiritual warfare with the inner man. Okay. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So let your sin, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. So even for us born again believers, on fire for God, revivalists and all of that, we have to admit that there are still times where we have to war with our own flesh. We just think that our our ideas are better. And we know the last time we tried something, it didn't work and we ended up in tears and we, you know, lost the, the, the bid that we had going for this investment, whatever the case might have been. We know that once we got ourselves in check and in line with the word of God, it worked out. How much less trouble would we be in if we just went straight to God and said, what do you want me to do? And then was determined to do it because by the power of his Holy Spirit, we totally can. And it says here, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you, Christians, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of God living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, it's eternal, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's judgment on the body, it's not going to change, but the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. So hallelujah, our spirits will live on forever. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and we get new bodies. Ooh. Hallelujah. Okay. Different message, different time. Now, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same living, the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if by through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read those last few verses, that makes it sound like I do have some responsibility to put to death the deeds of my sinful nature. Um, now, after you've been walking with God for a little while, I've been walking with God for over a decade. And you get past you get past the point of those those overt sins, those obvious sins. Obviously, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't go to the club, I don't blah 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 blah. But now I, I think what we have to understand about spiritual warfare and when it comes to inner purity in the inner man, the Lord is after um, the complaining. You know that sin we need to confess that, get rid of that. He's after the gossip the unforgiveness, you know, those things that, those are things that I call secret sins. Those are the sins that unless they manifest some sort of way, um, they don't, they don't really, they're not evident because even if you don't forgive someone for, for something, you can still, you know, smile and Hey, and be nice. That's why the Bible never says to be nice because it denotes fakeness, but you know, those are things that we can kind of mask, but we can't cover those things up from God. Inner purity is just as important to God, if not much more, but just as important. It's, it's so important to God that on the inside, we are pure because God is a God of the heart. 
Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, God lives in us. But don't you know that it is the spirit, it's the soul of of mankind that is going to live forever. And so if you want to experience life both now and for eternity, you have to live by whatever the word of God says, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do and wrestle with it. You know, if there is some sort of uh, notion that's still going around that Christian people are perfect, that's a facade. Uh, that's a lie. Uh, I'm here to let you know that I am so sold out love God with all of my being, with everything, wouldn't want to do anything to hurt him. But there are just times I have to be honest with you. I I want to have my way and I get my way. And then because he's so merciful and gracious, when I come crawling back, you know, up into his lap and I say, I'm so sorry, Lord, forgive me. He's, you know what, daughter, I forgave you before you asked. And you know, the difference with God though, than earthly parents the Lord doesn't really, at least he hasn't to me. He's never really said to me, see, I told you so. If you had just listened to me, then, but you know, so, you know, I understand whatever. I'm not a parent, but I get that that's some form of discipline. But the thing is, is that when it comes to that unending mercy and that the, just the compassion that Christ has, I mean, when you compare yourself to him, you're going to see that you fall short. And he's definitely just the person that you want to be like uh, if you have a love in your heart for the Lord. And so by by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay, not the power of the law, by the power of the Holy Spirit, once we have given our life to Christ and we are born again, we can overcome the sins that trip us up. Now, the devil is just an instigator. You know, at the end of the day, I don't I don't want to build him up and give him more power than what he has. But I also don't want to demean the fact that he is a, a deceiver and can trick us into a lot of different things. But this is why it's our responsibility. If this says at the very end here, verse 13, chapter eight, but if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds in your sinful nature. So the power is in, is in us, you know, as born again believers to wage even warfare against our own sin nature. I told you this was a little different. I don't know how many people think of this. Uh, when they think of spiritual warfare. But here are some familiar scriptures. Hop over to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey God. Right here, this is a very popular scripture that I hear quoted by a, a lot of revivalists and, a, and, a, and just a lot of warfare-loving Christians. But I don't know how many sermons I've heard connecting the dots where the strongholds that we're supposed to be tearing down are human reasoning and false arguments. You know, so this is not even right here is not even talking about the demonic. This is talking about human wisdom, which exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, as, as one version of this says. And I think what we need to understand is that the, the thing that can trip us up so easily as believers is our own like self-righteousness, our, our own pride. The fact that we've been born again, it kind of gives us like this rite of passage, or so we think, um, to think and talk and behave in ways that that we think uh, God would approve of. It's the biggest mistake I think any Christian can make is to think that God is like us. That is That couldn't be any further from the truth. 
And so just because Christ came in our likeness doesn't mean he's like us. That means that the word of God came in the form of a person to deliver us from sin and death. That doesn't mean that God is, is like us with this atomic nature because he's totally not. He is totally pure, 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 holy, holy, holy. You better get that right. And essentially taking thoughts like this, the strongholds of human reasoning, false arguments, uh, proud and lofty obstacles of thinking, you know, that's in the culture, but that's also in the church. There's a lot of doctrine that sounds really good, but it's church doctrine. It doesn't set anybody free. It just, you know, makes someone sound like they're smarter than you um, because your walk with God has just been based on faith and everything that you've learned is just by circumstances and then prayer and then breakthrough in those circumstances. While other people have education and they have sat under theologians and good teaching and so they've got it all figured out. I would caution against that. I would caution against remaining ignorant when you should be um, learning more, but I would also caution against human wisdom that kind of puffs itself up um, and has a lot of pride attached to it. You but you basically want to follow the Holy Spirit. And I'm a person, I love wisdom. You know, those proverbs that say love wisdom, that's totally written about me because I just, I love it. I mean, I just, I love knowledge. I love wisdom. I love learning things. I mean, I will just carve into something, you know, until I feel like, all right, I got enough. I'm an authority on this subject. But I have to I have to work hard to not let that take over and become pride, especially spiritual pride. Uh, the Bible warns against that, you know, having spiritual pride and thinking that you are better um, than someone who may not be as spiritually as advanced, I guess, if you are. But if if we go back to what I just said a moment ago of, of making Christ our standard and measuring ourselves against him. Well, I mean, he's almighty, you know, and so. <laughs> He, he knows everything. So what do we, so what do us, us, us theologian types, what do we really know when we compare ourselves to Christ? Nothing. Now listen to this. This is Ephesians 5. I'm going to kind of jump around in Ephesians, um, but Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6, if you just want to read those whole thing, you know, the whole chapters, you'd be good for it. But here's some verses. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such place, such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, even foolish talking and jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. And then these are some really good verses. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. And then I wanted to highlight in Ephesians 6 that armor, right? But the, the main armor, the piece of armor I wanted to highlight was the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. So that ties back into 2 Corinthians 10 with taking the thoughts captive and overcoming those high and lofty arguments that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of Christ. And so this helmet of salvation is your mind of Christ. How do you imitate what God does? Well, first, the Holy Spirit's in you, but you also have to put on this mind of Christ to, and, 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 and have faith that you can hear from God 
right? Because the scriptures say that you can. If you're supposed to follow Christ, you need to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit on, on which direction you should take. Yes, read the Bible. Most definitely. That's your anchor. But you're not going to be able to flip to first or whatever and second this and passage that to know what house you should buy, what city you should live in, what college to send your kid to. And so the Holy Spirit is still uh, speaking eternal uh, words into time as it is relevant to our life based on the word of God. So anything that you do hear from the Holy Spirit, you should be able to go back to scripture and know, okay, God's character and God's nature is this, this, and this. It's very important, Christians, that you read the Old Testament. You can't just live off of the New Testament. We have both Testaments, and so we should read both. And what's important about reading the Old Testament is that you get to see um, the character of God and how he shaped and molded people and how people dealt with situations hearing from God in real time. And so I know a lot of the word of God we read as, I mean, it's the canon and it's, you know, we've got Genesis, we've got uh, Revelation. And so this is the word of God. That's it. He doesn't, he doesn't speak outside of this and he doesn't say anymore. Well, I think um, that may have come out of some seminary training or something, because the Holy Spirit is alive. He is alive and active and in us. And through the mind of Christ, God can give us uh, intel from a, heavenly, from a heavenly perspective, because he knows the plans and purposes for why we were created. Why wouldn't we just go to the creator? Why wouldn't we just go to our designer and say, hey, where, where should I move to? Who should I marry? Et cetera, et cetera. Now, there are qualities um, of God that are revealed in, in scripture and characteristics and his compassion, his love, even his wrath and um, the fact that he is a king. And um, essentially by coming into a relationship with God, that is how you learn to follow Christ. You can't do it apart from that and you can't do it apart from the word of God. I hope this is making sense to you because when it comes to to following Christ, there is going to be spiritual warfare. We are living sacrifices. So you are going to have to lay yourself on an altar every single day, um, every single thought. And it's not burdensome. It's It might start out that way. So if you're a new Christian, it might start out like, oh my gosh, I have to give up this and I can't watch this and I can't go there and I can't stop. Now, if it's coming from the Holy Spirit, that's a good thing. And you want to follow the Holy Spirit. So what I've been talking about for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> if you haven't listened to anything else I've said, follow the Holy Spirit. If you're born again of the Spirit, you can hear from him in real time, but you have to be in your word so that it's not the enemy tricking you. You have to know what truth is by reading it. Okay. And sometimes just simple scripture and the, and the Holy Spirit can give you revelation, revelation knowledge to know what path and what direction to take. And at the end of the day, I'm going to, I'm just going to wrap this up by saying, those of us who are born again, you know, spirit filled, fire baptized somewhere along the way when it comes to, you know, um, having that baptism in the Holy Spirit important, not for this message. That's going to be for another message, but it is still for today. I'll give you that. And uh, but those of us who are born again of the spirit, it is just very important that we that we uh, are sensitive to the Lord speaking to us about the things that need to be laid down in our lives in order for us to move forward. It may surprise some of us, 
um, who love our flesh, but it may surprise some of us that there are things about us that the Lord is not fond of. He hates sin. We should hate sin as much as he does and take our own sin nature to task with the word of God, with praise, with worship. Those are the weapons of our warfare, praise, worship, fasting, uh, uh, reading, um, and praying, crying out to God, shouting unto God, singing. Um, I probably have repeated myself several times, but it's just important that we engage from a spiritual perspective. Those are we- those are not carnal weapons. Those are our weapons. As we're singing and making melody to God, he's fighting our battles. Now, if you go to the Old Testament, you can read about things like that actually happening, like with Jehoshaphat and that army that was going to go out and fight severely outnumbered. And they literally sent praisers out. And as they praised, the enemy slaughtered himself. By the time the warriors showed up to the battle line, all they had to do was take the spoil. So anyway, I'm just going to leave it there. There's so much more that I could say about this spiritual warfare, but just have the mind of Christ. If you don't know what the mind of Christ is, definitely reach out to me. It's Tiffany at BigViewSmallWindow.com. I'll give you every scripture that there wasn't even time for me to go into on this podcast. Until next time, have yourself a blessed day. Oh, hey, thank you for listening. Say, did you know you can now give to Big View Small Window? That's right. If your heart is open, why not your wallet, eh? Visit the Give page at bigviewsmallwindow.com and share the love. I'll see you next time.